Good morning, everyone. I want to say welcome to all of you who've come today, especially our guests and visitors, and especially those who are visiting us on the internet. Um, my name is Nayaswami Anandi. This is Nayaswami Bharat, and we're very happy to be with you today. So we'll begin with a reading from Rays of the One Light by Swami Kriyananda. These are weekly commentaries on the Bible and the Bhagavad Gita, parallel passages compared. This week's reading is called, Why Do Devotees Fall? Truth is one and eternal. Realize oneness with it in your deathless self within. The following commentary is based on the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda. An endlessly fascinating question is, why did Judas fall after receiving the extraordinary blessing of being accepted into the inner circle of Jesus Christ's disciples? For Judas was one of the twelve apostles, yet he betrayed Jesus and earned for himself the opprobrium of Christendom for all futurity for his sin. We find, Jesus rep- we find Judas reprimanding Jesus just days before that betrayal. Jesus, aware that his disciples would soon be facing, with his death, the supreme tragedy of their lives, allowed Mary to express her devotion by anointing his feet with costly ointment. This act of wanton waste, as Judas saw it, awakened indignation in that disciple. Why was not this ointment sold for 300 pence and given to the poor? This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and kept the purse and bare what was put therein. Then said Jesus, let her alone. Against the day of my burying has she kept this. For the poor always ye have with you, but me ye have not always. Doubt not the power of delusion. Respect it. Indeed, fear it, though not in the sense of cowering before it. For as Yogananda said, one is not safe until he attains nirbhikalpa samadhi, the state of final union with God. Judas, through attachment to money, opened his consciousness to subtle influences, which may be called satanic, that drew his thoughts toward other related attitudes, the importance of worldly power, for instance, and of worldly influence. The Bhagavad Gita gives a graphic explanation of how easily the mind can be drawn downward once it begins to feed on wrong attitudes. In the second chapter, Sri Krishna states, If one ponders on sense objects, there springs up attraction to them. From attraction grows desire. Desire, impatient for fulfillment, flames to anger. From anger there arises infatuation, the delusion that one object alone is worth clinging to, to the exclusion of all others. From infatuation ensues forgetfulness of the higher self. From forgetfulness of the self follows degeneration of the discriminative faculty 
And when discrimination is lost, there follows the annihilation of one's spiritual life. At the first thought of delusion, Paramahansa Yogananda said, that is the time to stop it. Thus, through Holy Scripture, God has spoken to mankind. I'd like to read from Whispers from Eternity, uh, Mystical Poetry, by Swami Kriyananda. Thank you. Paramahansa Yogananda, pardon me. (laughs) Our reading uh, will be, With every stroke of my prayer, I move nearer to thee. Father, swimming in the sea of my craving for thee, I find myself beaten by the winds of severe trials, floating on cresting waves of pleasure and pain, then sinking down into the depths of indifference. I still keep looking for thy shoreless shore. With every stroke of my powerful prayer, I move nearer to thee. Never shall I give up. Thou thyself I know dost look for my coming. I don't know what uh, Divine Mother has intended for the, but for the last three years. I've always been the one to be giving the, the talk on why do devotees fall? <laughs> but I don't think I've fallen quite yet, so maybe I'm worthy to, to speak on the subject. <laughs> Master uh, had a vision as a young boy. And in this vision, uh, he was in a marketplace and it was very dusty and hot, and people were squabbling, and the donkeys were braying, and uh, people were just trudging along. And then every once in a while, they would look up uh, high uh, in the sky with a w- real wistful look. Uh, and then they would get back to doing what they're doing. And Master became curious, and after a while, he turned around behind him to look at what they were looking at. And there was a beautiful mountain with just beautiful gardens. And, uh, and uh, he thought, well, that's too high for me. And, and that's what everybody else thought. Uh, but then, uh, ultimately, he was able to make that mountain. And, I, I, and that vision fits so well with our reading today because uh, we can look at the world and try to find our happiness in the world, uh, in social betterment, or we can uh, look for God and to try to uh, really think more about God communion rather than trying to improve the world. I, I had a dream, uh, actually it was uh, an experience at Chico State when I was uh, going to school there. I was majoring in uh, international relations. It was during the time of the Vietnam War, and I wanted the world to be peaceful like so many other people. 
and I worked very hard at uh, trying to bring uh, world peace in Yuba City, where I was growing up. It wasn't a hotbed of activism, uh, and I even led a march uh, uh, down uh, one of the main streets in Yuba City with 37 uh, people following behind me, and it happened to be right behind my place at work, uh, the Lucky Supermarket, and uh, <laughs> and the manager there was in the John Birch Society. Um, <laughs> who always smoked these big cigars. <laughs> and I remember him coming out in the parking lot and kind of looking at me, and I was trying to hide, and I was ahead of the group, and everybody behind me, and just taking a cigarette like this, and then throwing it on the ground and stomping on it like, like that. And, uh, but I, I, I sort of started to realize that I had gotten into this dual consciousness. I started to see people in two different ways. Uh, one, uh, there are people who are for the war. And another, uh, people who are against the war. And it was a pretty simplistic view of life, because I'm sure there was a lot more to people than just those two viewpoints. But uh, I'd gotten so locked in with that one issue. And you think, how could Judas betray an avatar who is a disciple, Swami in the Promise of Immortality, said that uh, Judas could have even been the greatest of all the disciples. And how could he you know, uh, commit that, uh, commit that wrong against Christ that went against his highest principles. Well, that's what the Bhagavad Gita uh, talks about, and I'll be explaining that a little bit more. Uh, well, uh, after the, the march, I, I started to, uh, you know, I, I went to Chico State from uh, the junior college in Yuba City, and uh, I was real interested in international relations, uh, trying to work for inner peace uh, or world peace. And then I read where um, German Premier Bismarck said, I don't want war, but I want to make sure we get what we want. And I realized it was going to be very difficult to have world peace just because people, you know, because of self-interest. And I was sitting by a creek and uh, one day there's this feeling of real joyfulness and just uh, deep, deep peace uh, came upon me. And I just looking at the trees and the sky, uh, I saw the world as perfect and it was a, a marvelous world. And the world didn't need changing. Uh, the world needed knowing. Uh, so everybody's talking about uh, changing the world, changing the world, but we need to become the world in our consciousness. We need to see what really is behind life. Uh, and this is what uh, the reading is, is talking about. Uh, I had a, um, a, a pretty kind of a unique experience um, a, a few years ago. Actually, it was during the 90s. Uh, I received a letter from uh, a young German woman. Uh, she introduced herself. She was 27 years old. And uh, she was a, 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 an environmental activist. And uh, she was an outdoor educator. She'd been using my books uh, in her work. And she, was, uh, she loved nature so much she wanted to care for nature. And she was starting to get very angry because people were uh, abusing the earth. And she felt like we, um, we really needed to do something. There wasn't much time left. And, uh, and then she um, got disappointed and said, I think there's only one thing that we can do, and that's direct action. And then she said, um, I, do you know anybody, any groups in America that have weapons? Could you get me in contact with them? 
And it was just a time when I was uh, heading out for some tests in uh, Missouri, hospital tests, and I wasn't able to write the letter, but as soon as I came back, uh, I wrote her. And for five years, I never heard about her, but she, uh, uh, I knew she was serious. And so I, I wrote to her, as any of us would have written to her, uh, talking about the importance of positive change, uh, acting from one's own center. Uh, Mother Teresa said a beautiful thing when somebody asked her, don't you feel that your effort's a little bit hopeless? Uh, You can only give out so uh, many blankets to all the people that need them, and you can only feed people just a little bit uh, in terms of the the huge need that uh, is out there. And she smiled at the reporter, and, uh, and she said that God has called me not to be successful, to, but, to, but to be faithful, uh, faithful to her own inner principles. Uh, she, uh, she explained in a documentary why she was doing the work. And uh, her explanation, Swami said, most people would miss. Uh, but she said she wasn't doing it, uh, or the only reason she was doing it is because Christ told her uh, to do it. So she was uh, following his guidance. And she said that our work really isn't about uh, giving, uh, fulfilling people's physical needs, but it's about giving Christ's love uh, to other people. Well, as you can imagine, I was curious about uh, the German wo- uh, woman, what had happened to her. Her name was Ursula. And five years went by. And, uh, and then finally I received a letter. In the letter she said that she had just uh, cased out uh, a car manufacturing plant. She had gone undercover and was working there. And she had found the, all the locations where she was going to plant her bombs. Uh, and she had uh, uh, acquired the materials. And then my letter arrived. And uh, it, it talked about how Gandhi said it's important to change consciousness. That's the only way you get lasting change. And other things as well that I had written. And she said that uh, if I hadn't received that letter, I would have been uh, in prison today. Well, how do you take someone whose uh, whole motivation was the sanctity of life, uh, the benevolence of life that uh, she felt in nature, uh, to this kind of action? You know, n- none of us would really consider uh, to that degree, but we've all gone down that, as Swami calls it, that slippery slope of attraction, uh, then desire, and then anger, and so on. Well, she, um, uh, she became angry, and she said, said as much, because people weren't doing as she thought they should do. And her uh, uh, desires were thwarted, and that uh, led to the anger. And then she uh, led to infatuation, where uh, Swami talks about in the uh, in our uh, rules of conduct for uh, new members is never to magnify something so that it becomes your whole definition of, uh, of life. Uh, and this, would ha- this is what happens when we uh, have a thwarted desire. We, we have such anger that we see that as the only reality that's important in our life. And we become totally fixated on that point. We can't see anything else. And that's what happened to uh, that woman, uh, and then um, she um, uh, she was forgetful of her higher self. In this case, of the benevolence of nature, um, 
she was uh, concerned about the violence that was happening in nature, and here she was acting in the same way. And she was going completely opposite to the principles that she believed in. Uh, and, and then it just continued from there. Uh, loss of discrimination, which was the case. Uh, and then she was lucky that she didn't go farther in that uh, because, uh, you know, she, I think she was able, actually we heard a, got a phone call from her and she was doing a, a lot, lot better and uh, was very positive. So it's, it's, it's an interesting, you know, it's, it's a heavy story in some ways, but it really illustrates so much, you know, that, that downward cycle. Uh, Master talks about when we, the first sign of uh, delusion, of temptation, is to nip it in the bud. I was thinking about that. It's like the slippery slope, you know, the attraction desire, anger, and it's a, it's a slope going towards more and more outwardness. And if we go over the edge just a little bit, we have to put a lot of energy to climb up, don't we? Uh, and so if we can just catch it right in that instant, uh, then we, uh, we don't have to go there. <clears throat> uh, Swami Kriyananda was telling a story uh, about, uh, it was about the early days at Ananda, and he was sharing with this woman about the different tests that people experience on the path and the different uh, difficulties that people were having uh, in the community. And then he talked about the lives of saints and, uh, you know, the challenges that they've had. And and then Swami said, it's strange, but uh, I've never had any difficulties uh, in my life. And the woman said, what? My God! And then she reminded Swami of the fire that burned down our temple, about uh, almost losing our land uh, uh, because of a poor closure and then uh, several other things and Swami said I had to say yeah uh, you're right Uh, but Swami said I was in a flow of serving master uh, and God and I was just thinking of them and uh, those difficulties just didn't seem real to me Uh, and he said that whenever we hit a hard patch in our life uh, hit a difficulty a challenge an obstacle uh, it's because we've uh, lost our devotion. And uh, when we lose our devotion, uh, then we get more into matter consciousness. Just like Judas, uh, he just got into matter consciousness. Uh, and so, uh, but by, by able to just see God as the only reality, uh, and uh, the only ra- reality that really is permeating, permeating all of life, uh, then we, we look beyond. And this is why meditation is so so important is because we we get under the surface of life and we get to see that there is a deeper reality uh, than this physical world and then we get in the hearty uh, give and take of life uh, we have that memory and we have that assurance that that uh, no this isn't it uh, we should live in this world like a guest nothing is ours and uh, we um, you know, we can spend our time trying to change an imperfect world. Into, uh, and, but that's, that's a big job. Uh, it's much, much better for the devotee to attune to what is perfect, and that is God. And then bring uh, that in. I was thinking about how 
uh, master, he, was, uh, he told his disciples, Paramahansa Yogananda, told his uh, disciples uh, about, uh, in a, a class on Patanjali, on how, um, you know, how do you think that the water, the earth, the ether, uh, and the stars all came to be. Uh, it, it came through uh, uh, God's thought, which is vibrating Om, uh, the divine intelligence. And in every atom in creation, at the very center of that vibrating atom, is the Christ consciousness, the reflected spirit of God. And so God is very, very much in this creation. And uh, by tuning in, we can feel that. We can feel him living everywhere and the bliss uh, uh, behind his presence. Uh, But if we don't look for that, all we see is uh, things that are opposing each other. And and our consciousness is uh, divided and separate from everything else in creation. Master, when he was talking about uh, Sister Gaudamanta, who had suffered so much in her life. Her body suffered. Uh, I, I have to correct myself because she didn't suffer. And Master said, looking into her eyes, he saw no pain, uh, no suffering whatsoever. And he told Sister that, uh, that your place is reserved in heaven because nothing could touch her. Uh, she just saw God everywhere and she lived in God everywhere. And so this is really what the, the message of this reading is. It's, uh, it's a message that we, we re- receive every year, but it's to not get caught in the particulars of life and not to try to satisfy uh, ourselves by anything in this world uh, because it will just lead to disappointment. Uh, Meister Eckhart said that uh, we should all be mothers of God. What did he mean by that? Uh, well, he said that God needs to be born anew all the time. And the only way that God is going to be born anew is if we lift our consciousness to the realm of where spirit is. What happens to a physical child? It comes from spirit and born in a material body. Well, if we're all of our actions, all of our thoughts, all our relationships, everything that we do, if we have our consciousness in the world of spirit, and if we're acting on the world of here and now, on this physical plane, then we can be a mother of God and we can bring God's uh, spirit into this world. Uh, I was, uh, photographers, they talk about the glory light. Uh, and it's just a few uh, minutes in the morning and a few minutes in the evening when the, the light is just direct onto everything in nature and everything is just so lit up and glowing with life. Well, life can be glowing all the time as we know. We've all experienced that in our inner life and uh, in our relationships with others is when there's been the presence of God. And so we can really remake this world. It's, Master said that people have uh, different ways of experiencing this world. Uh, and it all depends on whether our eyes are on the dusty marketplace or on that mountain with the beautiful paradise of gardens and the bliss of God. Bless us all. <laughs>